Welcome to the Chad Cargill ACT Test Prep Podcast, coming to you from the Ollie Ray Ranch in Choctaw, Oklahoma. My goal is to give practical tips to help you increase ACT scores, qualify for college, and win those much-needed scholarships. We'll talk colleges, careers, and most of all, test-taking strategies and tips. This is episode 19, and a lot of students struggle in English. And one of the big reasons why is we miss so many of the punctuation questions. In today's episode, we're going to try to fix that. And we're going to start with one of the biggest areas of punctuation tested on the ACT. That is commas. So this being the episode of commas, we will look at five ways commas are typically tested on the ACT. There are five key rules and many of the common questions, most of the common questions for that matter, can be narrowed down into these five. A lot of students buy into the I'm a bad test taker theory. And I've talked about that in a previous episode that I did on the number one question that parents asked me. You can go back and you can listen to that if you're interested in hearing my whole discussion on how that came about and why I'm always asked that. But that is episode seven, the number one question parents asked me. What's interesting about that bad test taker mentality, though, is that although it is true for many, Some students just simply don't know the content. And if we can learn the content first, then if we still miss the questions, we can start believing, yes, we may be a bad test taker. It's important that commas are fresh on our minds when we take ACTs, and it's important that we know these and we practice these so we're ready. And if we can start getting the comma questions correct, then we can really start boosting scores. Now, before we get started with commas, The past several episodes that I've done have covered a lot of general things about scholarships and uh, colleges and different general career type topics. And in this week's episode, I want to go back into the detailed tips of a subject. So we're in English this week and we'll jump around a little bit. Next week, we're going to do something a little different, but we want to make sure that uh, we're also covering some of the content that's going to be tested on the ACT. So I'm going to dabble into that a little bit certain weeks and then other weeks we'll talk some different topics. So let's get started with the five key rules of commas. Let me just say up front that I'm going to have this in the show notes for you. So if you go to podcast.chadcargo.com, you can see all of the show notes for this episode. I'm going to give you some rules, examples, and you'll be able to do some review of this after the fact. So let's get started. Rule number one, you use a comma to separate main clauses joined by a coordinating conjunction. So this goes back to when I was a kid and I would watch Saturday morning cartoons and the cartoon would go to commercial and we would hear conjunction, junction, what's your function? putting them together and making them right. Well, the conjunctions put two sentences or two complete thoughts together. It's important we memorize what the conjunctions are. Here we go. It's and, but, or, nor, for, so, yet. These seven are the coordinating conjunctions. Many will learn this in English class with the acronym FANBOYS, F-A-N-B-O-Y-S. And again, I'll put that in the show notes for you. But you must know these seven. Anytime you use one of these seven to combine two sentences, we put a comma before the conjunction. An example, we went to the store and we spent our money. 
we went to the store, we ask ourselves, is that a complete sentence? Is there a subject? We, yes. Is there a verb? Went. We went to the store. I could say that by itself. Yes, that's a complete sentence. Then we look at everything on the other side of the and. We spent our money. We spent. We, there's a subject. We spent. Now I've got a verb. We spent our money. That's a complete sentence. So I've got a yes, comma, and a yes. Complete sentence and complete sentence. That means the comma goes before the and. If it would have read, we went to the store and spent our money, then we do not have a complete sentence after the and, so the comma does not go before the and. So that is coordinating conjunctions. We should memorize and, but, or, nor, for, so, yet, or fanboys, however we want to remember that. Rule two, we should set off words, phrases, and clauses that are not needed. Non-essential phrases should be isolated with a comma. This could be like in a positive. Chad is driving home after the class. Chad, the ACT guy from Choctaw, is driving home after the class. The ACT guy from Choctaw is the non-essential phrase. We don't have to include it. Therefore, we're going to isolate it with commas. It could be a phrase, something as simple as this. Intense preparation, then, is known to produce higher test scores. So in this case, the word then is transitional. Intense preparation, comma, then, comma, is known to produce higher test scores. Or it could be, Robert Curson, not Stephen King, is my favorite author. This is contrasting. Robert Curson, comma, not Stephen King, comma, is my favorite author. We isolate that with commas. And Robert Curson wrote one of the best books I've read called Rocket Man. Uh, he also wrote Pirate Hunters and Shadow Divers. And if you love adventure, exploration, any of his, any of his works are incredible. Robert Curson, man, uh, those are great reads if you're looking for a, an outstanding book to read this summer. The third rule, use a comma after an introductory phrase, clause, or adverb. So short introductory prepositional phrases do not require commas unless they're needed for clarity. Let me give you some examples of where we would want to use the comma. To be able to compete on the collegiate level, comma, many high school athletes practice their sport all year. The comma goes after the introductory phrase, to be able to compete on the collegiate level. Then the main phrase, many high school students practice their sport all year, follows. I'll give you another. If you are counting on a college scholarship, comma, pay attention to your grades, comma, class rank, comma, community service, comma, and standardized test scores. Now, I dove into a list or a series there, which is the fourth one. The list or a series is important because some students learn it only one way versus another way. And that is the comma before the word and. I am taking biology, comma, calculus, and history. And some would say, wait, you should always put the comma before the and. Others are adamant it should not be there. Now, I was teaching a class. I was in Texas. I was in a, a school in, in Texas teaching, and it was a large group. And I had students from a lot of different schools, and a lot of different counselors were there. 
At my break after English, a counselor was up in the aisle and she started talking about how the comma should never be before the and because it is redundant with the word and. And another English teacher came over and was like, you always should put the comma there before the and because you need it for clarity. And listen here, that conversation got heated. Those two ladies were so passionate about their belief in whether the comma should be there or should not be there. It was incredible. Uh, Man, if we were all as passionate as they were about our careers, that would be pretty amazing. I think the point here is just to say there's a lot of great arguments for the comma before the end and a lot of great arguments that it should not be there. Now, I find on ACTs, they can do it both ways. So what I conclude here is that the comma before the end is optional. And if you always put it before the end, you need to know that it's okay for it not to be there. If you never put it before the end, you need to know it's okay to put it there. So either way is okay. Just know that it could be on the ACT either way. Rule five, commas should separate adjectives in a series that describe the same word. I want to give you two examples. This will be very obvious once I go through it. The old blue shirt was worn today. All right, now there's going to be two ways that I can test to see if I need a comma between old blue. The first test I use is I put the word and in place of the comma. Is it an old and blue shirt? Yes. The second way you can test that is to reverse the words. So it's an old blue shirt. Now let's reverse old and blue. It's old blue, but is it blue old? Yes, because it's old and blue. It's also blue and old. You see, if you can reverse the adjectives and what it's telling you is that both adjectives describe the noun, in this case, the shirt. If both adjectives are describing the noun, then their order doesn't matter. Therefore, you have to isolate the separation of them with a comma. Now, let's try one where you can't reverse them. The dark blue shirt was worn today. Dark blue. Let's try our test. First, could we put the word and in between? Is it a dark and blue shirt? Eh, that one's kind of iffy. Let's try the second test, and this will make it obvious. It's a dark blue shirt, but is it a blue dark shirt? It's dark blue, but is it blue dark? And obviously in this case, no. Dark blue is a color. Dark describes blue. But if you reverse them, blue dark, that's not a color. Blue doesn't describe blue dark. When you cannot reverse the words, it is telling you the first adjective, in this case, dark, describes the second adjective, in this case, blue. The dark blue shirt was worn today. Therefore, there cannot be a comma. So anytime you're trying to decide if you should put a comma between two adjectives on an ACT, first, can you replace the comma with the word and? Second, can you reverse the words? If you can't reverse them, you can't put the word in, you cannot have the comma. And that's it. That's the five key comma rules on an ACT. Now, are there exceptions to that? Are there outliers to that? Yes. You're not going to get everything with just these five. 
But these five give you such a foundation, such a basis that you can knock out most questions on the ACT dealing with commas if you know these five. You're going to have to practice. As great as that is that I read those rules to you, it's not going to help you a lot if you don't practice. And I think I've shared this in a previous episode, but I want to say it one more time here. I was not very good in English when I was in high school. English was not my best subject. A lot of it is I really didn't know the rules. I would pick things if it looked good. I think in an early episode, I talked about the word dash, about using a dash and how I picked it if it looked good. And then I finally learned the rule. Well, what's interesting to me is that when I take ACTs today, English is my second best subject. I usually make a 33 or 34 in English. That's almost a perfect score. And people say, well, what's the big difference? Well, it's not that all of a sudden I'm great in English because I'm not. I always answer that by saying the difference is now I know the rules. You see, I can look at any comma question on ACT and I know these five rules so well that I've got a pretty good shot at getting it correct. I don't always get it correct. I still miss some comma questions sometimes when I take ACTs and I certainly make mistakes in my writing but I can get close because I know the rules. If you want to raise ACT scores, you want to raise English scores, the first thing I do is I memorize the content. If you know the rules, you have a chance. It's that cliche again. You got to have eggs to make an omelet. Some don't have the eggs. Let's first memorize the content. Then we get to see if we're a chef. Then we get to see how well we can test and try to work through all those other struggles that we might have. Now, what I will do as we go through future episodes, I'm going to touch in different subject areas at different times. And sometimes I'll discuss something as specific as this. As we're going through these, hopefully you're picking up little things that can help you. And I know some of you say, well, I'm really good in English. I don't really need a lot of help here. Even if you're really good in English and you're making a 28 or a 30 in English, you're still missing a lot of questions. And if we can just get a few more right, we could start bumping our scores a little bit. And each time you do that, man, you can really start raising your scores. This is all in the show notes. Just go to podcast.chadcarker.com. I'll list these rules there for you. If you're using my prep book, and if you don't have my prep book, you can get it on chadcarker.com. We ship books almost every day all over, and uh, we'll ship you one. In my prep book, if you look at pages 41 through 49, you're going to find these rules covered plus a lot of other just information about these. In my book, I have the rules, examples, exercises, model questions, and then at the back of the English section, full explanations. I tell you why the answers are right and why the wrong answers are wrong. I go through and explain in great detail students who use that, who study that, who work it in a lesson format. Those students find that they really sure up their skills, their confidence level goes up, and they start getting a lot of these correct. So it's important that you practice them. So again, if you're using my book, pages 41 through 49, just make those pages of my book, make that a priority to do this summer. And if you do that, not only are you going to be better on ACTs, you're going to be a better writer, and you're going to do a better job in your English classes. And ultimately, I hope what we learn here doesn't just help ACT scores. I hope it helps you as a person, and I hope it helps you in your writing and all of your English work going forward. My website is chadcargill.com. Feel free to go there, and you can look at all the classes that I have scheduled. Specifically, you can go to calendar.chadcargill.com to see that. 
We're booking a lot of classes. I had one school call. Looks like we're going to be doing four classes for them coming up. We're going to have hundreds of kids coming through that one. And so the schedule is going to fill up a little faster this year because of the social distancing issues. And if you have not scheduled a workshop yet, call our office. You can call my assistant, Penny, and we will get you on that calendar. And if your school is not having a workshop, then I would encourage you to look on the calendar and find one close by and see if they have space and contact them and see if you can come to that one. But again, I'll have classes all over the Midwest, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, Missouri, Kansas, Iowa, Nebraska. I go to those states every year and I would love to come to yours as well if I did not mention one of yours. If you enjoy this podcast, could I just ask you to leave a review? If you're on Apple Podcasts, just take a moment, click on library and go to this podcast, click on that five-star button and just leave a short review. Doesn't have to be anything long, just a short review. And I would love to read one to you. I like to do that when these are left. And this comes from Iraq 541 It says, excellent. Definitely a must listen for parents, students, and educators. This is full of practical information to help students in their journey to college. Well, thank you so much, Iraq 541 for posting that. I really do appreciate that. It makes a big difference when we get those posted on here. And if you ever post one, feel free to put your first name on there as well. That way I can say who you are. You can also give a shout out to your high school, whatever group you're involved in there. And I'd love to read that and then talk about that on a future episode. I appreciate you taking time out to listen again this week. I'll be back again next week with more. And don't forget... Number 12 on that summer checklist. Love people. Find someone to encourage this week. We all need it.